Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Makers in Minnesota podcast. I talk to cool people doing cool things, and my guest today doesn't even know this, but she is launching season five of the Makers in Minnesota podcast. I wanted to put her at the beginning of the new year because I think it's a time where people get re-energized about their business. The holiday season is past. Maybe you've had a little bit of time to relax with your family and think about what your intentions are for the new year. And I'm here with Catherine Montbrian. I have two businesses. One of them is the chief of staff practice called Montbrian Services. And the other one is the storytelling business called Lived and Loved. So when I read your story... And I looked at those two types of businesses. At first, it was kind of a dichotomy. And I was like, wait a second, how does this all work? And and then I knew, based on your story, that it sort of stemmed from a personal loss that you guys had in your family. And I think um, I've had a similar loss. I lost an older sister as well. And those types of experience clarify things. So tell me a little bit about where you got to where you are today, because you have two really intentional business opportunities that you're working, but I think they came out of some personal loss. They did. So um, sorry to hear that you experienced this loss as well. I know for me, it was one of those moments that you never expect to happen in your life. And like you said, it changes a lot of things. It certainly changed a lot of things for me. So this started for me back when I was in my corporate life um, and my sister was sick and my mom was sick at the same time, I was across the country and it was just one of those really tough situations where you wanted to be in one place, but you weren't there and your mind was there. But when you walk into work, your mind doesn't stop churning on the things that are happening. They come right right along with you, even if you're not talking about them, which I wasn't at the time. So I got to a point where I looked at the role I was in and said, you know what, this isn't working for me. I'm not being the leader I want to be. I'm not showing up how I want to show up. Let me switch roles and maybe that will help, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) Change something and see if it works. Uh, So that was actually when I switched into my chief of staff role, which luckily was a wonderful fit for my talents and capabilities and all these things I'm good at. Uh, But it also gave me a moment to breathe and kind of step back and say, okay, you know, let's reset, recalibrate against all of these things. Um, And when I was in that role, my sister passed. And it was a shock to everyone I worked with, because I had all these things happening inside me. But I told no one, for some reason. (laughs) So I was walking around with all of this stuff. And then when she passed, I went through grief, and I went through the struggle of kind of picking my head back up. I hadn't realized how much of myself had gotten wrapped up in that whole situation. Uh, And something unlocked for me as a leader and as a colleague, when I realized I should just tell people this thing that's happening in my life, the more I carry it around in the background, the less authentic I'm being, the less of me I'm bringing into the workplace. And oh, by the way, once you start talking about it, a lot of people have a similar experience and they yeah. want to talk about it authentically, but they don't know how. So I started to bring a lot of that into my chief of staff work and into my culture work, because if you can be humans together at work, 
guess what? You can work together a lot better too. Right. Right. (laughs) It is kind of funny. (laughs) Yeah. Like, and, and, you know, I had breast cancer and I remembered one of the first thoughts I had when I was diagnosed was, wow, you know, I'm kind of this public person. I'm on the radio talking all the time. You know, how am I going to keep this a secret? And that lasted for about five minutes, just trying to figure out like, wait, would I keep this a secret? And oh, it's breasts. Like that's kind of personal yet. Nothing else in my life is really personal because not only am I on the radio, but we're talk radio people. And I am so glad I made that decision and it's personal for everyone. I don't want to judge anyone's choices, but for me, I could really live my whole life and be my whole self. And short of the fact that I lost my hair, you know, I just went about my day and I couldn't have kept those sides going. And I probably was way more um, professional about it than I probably even should have been. I mean, some days I shouldn't have probably even gone to work. I didn't miss a day. Yeah. But to try to compartmentalize all that is really challenging. And, you know, we give grace to people that are in sickness. But what about their family members? Like, you know, like for my husband, I think my being sick was more challenging for him legitimately than it was for me. It's and changes your whole life. It changes your whole perspective. It changes what's important to you. So I love that you talk about bringing that into the workspace. And it's not like you're like, hey, guess what? But it changes your thoughts. It reorders you. It makes you human. It makes you more relatable to everybody else. And it also can spark creativity Mm because you start to open your mind to all these different possibilities. I so agree with that and spent a lot of time thinking about this work-life separation that I think was the norm decades ago. And especially now that everybody's working from home and our lives are just here with us. I think those barriers are really starting to break down. Yeah. And there's going to be like a new paradigm shift because I'm probably a lot older than you. In fact, I know I am. So there's like this, what we're carrying over and, and we're carrying over some, you know, good habits and some good workplace culture things, but we're also like, you have to make room for what's coming in and it is changing. You know, we, as we were super moms, we did it all. You know, we dropped the kid off at the daycare. We went and worked an eight hour day and had 15 meetings back to back. <laughs> and then we got to our kids daycare at, you know, five fifty nine, and we got there on time because we didn't want to pay that $15 for the caregiver to have to stay late. And then we went home and we made this gigantic meal and everybody worked on their homework. And then we got everyone to bed and a bath. And I don't know, like that was like literally what we thought we were supposed to do. And some of us were better than others. Some days were better than others, but I don't hear that at all anymore. I hear like, no, like I'm going to carve out the time for my family and I'm not going to answer emails at 24 hours a day. Mm -hmm. Like we thought that was a badge of of courage. Right. And it it is only sustainable for so long. I think I definitely learned that lesson personally over the last year. So I, I took a break from my corporate career. I, I left after a decade at, at a big financial institution. And I hadn't realized just how tired I was until I pushed the pause button and went from this always on frantic email, Slack messages, eight hours of Zoom calls, like everything packed into a day to no one is actually needing anything from you. And 
it was so eerie to go from one to the other, like a hard stop in between. And it took a long time to readjust and kind of take that deep breath and say, oh, wait, life can be a little bit slower. You can choose how you spend your time. You can rest intentionally and do the things that are good for your mind and body and become a person with energy and creativity again. That was one of the things that happened to me during my break. But I've talked to so many people who are still in it and they they hear what I'm saying. They're like, yes, if only I could, you know, do that. And if only I could take this break. But people are so tired. That's been just an overarching theme as I've been out talking to different leaders is there's this kind of everybody's been sapped of their energy and they don't know what to do about it. And it's just tough to yeah. know where to go. And it isn't even like, I mean, part of it's physically tired, but it's emotionally tired. It's people, and you feel this just in the culture with the election that we went through, how negative society has gotten, how there's been such little hope in lots of areas. People are really feeling that, you know, and you you think you can guard against that and then you go home in your personal life, but all that stuff leaks in. Mm-hmm. And that makes people tired too, because they don't know how to separate. So there's the like literal tired from hours that we're keeping, but then the emotional right. tired of just all that we've held during COVID. And, and, and also no one has talked about, and probably they will, the idea that we thought we were potentially going to die as a family, as managing your children managing your parents, managing your core, all the people you loved, you felt like were at risk because you didn't know. Mm-hmm. And we went for a long time in this not knowing. Now, you know, when you have the flu or when we talked about flu, you know, 40,000 people a year died of the flu. Maybe it was ridiculous, but it felt like, oh, I know what that flu is. If I got a flu mm-hmm. shot or if I'm careful about taking care of myself physically, if I hadn't been to come across the flu, if I'm not immune compromised, I'm probably going to be okay. So it didn't feel the same. Like there was a long period of time where we didn't know what this was. We didn't know how to prevent it. We didn't know how to treat it. We didn't know lots of things. And that continually pervasive feeling of anxiety and the unknown is exhausting. The thing I'll, yes, and the thing I'll add to that is think about all the extra decisions we all had to make and the decision fatigue and the tax of not just making different choices all the time. Do I, should I wear a mask? Should I not wear a mask? Should I go to the grocery store? Should I get food delivered? Can I see my parents for the holidays? And if so, what 18 things must I do? But they were risking decisions, right? Yeah. It wasn't just like, is this convenient? Can I fit it into my schedule? It was, am I going to introduce my parents to a potentially yeah. fatal virus? And how do you make those choices? We have no rubric for that yeah. in our lives, or we didn't until two years ago. I, I still don't know if I have a crew. <laughs> well, so as we sort of like, let's just say like for the sake of this podcast and hopefully our lives, like we're going to turn this page into 2023 into January of this year. Clearly people are still have COVID issues and it's not gone away and people are managing it in their own way, but it seems like we're getting a lot more information and information is power. So if we move into the new year of 2023 and we move forward, tell me a little bit about your business and the types of services that you offer that would help people 
to make more intentional decisions about how they want to show up in 2023. I love it. Yes. So the first product that I developed for my business, Loved and Loved, uh, going back to the story of my sister, it started with this concept of, you know, my sister passed and I didn't really have her story captured because we didn't expect it to happen. It wasn't, it wasn't something that any of us planned for. So as I got quiet on my career break, I thought, you know, what a gift to give your family if you were able to capture the essence of who you are and give it to them. And I started thinking, well, what if we wrote obituaries for people? And that was a little bit morbid. So I quickly moved away from that into uh, how do you help people access their own stories and see what's really inside of them with a non-judgmental, easy to interact with system. Because I, I don't know about you, but I have bookshelves of self-help books and personal development, and I've done the meditation, I've done all this stuff. But when you do it, it comes with a list of like 45 things. You know, you read the book and you get excited right. and then you get to the end. And it's like, okay, change 40 things about your life. You're like, wait, record scratch. I yeah. don't know if I can do that. <laughs> it's exhausting. So the system I designed is built on this principle of you can ask a simple question, get someone to do the thinking, and then use those, use a set of simple questions to get at something really big and meaty. So the first one's about your purpose. And I ask my, my customers one question per week. It shows up in their email. It'll be something like, Tell me about the three relationships that most shaped who you are today. You actually have to think about it a little bit. I'm getting hives just thinking about it. <laughs> but you can probably think about it for 10 minutes and then you write for 10 minutes and then you're done for the week. It's not, there are no 40 other things that you have to do. I would be sending you an audio file. <laughs> Which would be great, you know, however it works for you. You don't have to be an artist or a writer or any of those things. So at the end of eight weeks, I have this breadth of information about someone and I take it and I synthesize it and I make connections and there's a lot of mind mapping involved and all of these you know, tricks of the trade where you take a bunch of disparate things and you put them together. And then I come out of it with a story of the person that says, here's who you are. Here's what you're about. It doesn't have to be a novel because whatever things you tell me about are probably the things that matter most to you right now. So those are the things that are critical to capture and talk about. And then I also have some partner artists that I work with and I pull out little pieces of the story or some themes and have it transformed into a visual work of art that accompanies the story and just kind of captures your essence as a human. So when I've been doing this with, with people, what I found is that there are two things that happen. One happens during the actual reflections, so during the question and answer period. The questions are simple enough where people actually do them. And it forces them to reach these conclusions themselves where they say, oh, wait a minute. You had me write down 10 things that I have done in my life that are amazing. And none of them were about work. And why am I spending 12 hours every day on work and neglecting my children? <laughs> Uh -huh. Maybe something's off here. So people will get to their own conclusions. Or, or and, 
when they get the final products, it's kind of this inside out, outside in thing where it sounds like they're talking to themselves because it's their ideas and their words, but it's this different view. It's almost like not a funhouse mirror, but a mirror that allows you to see things that you weren't able to see before. And so people are able to get unstuck and with this unbiased perspective say, oh, that's the thing that really matters to me. Or I've been mulling over this thing and now I actually know what's blocking me from doing it or what's keeping me from making the decision, making the career change. So it's really a tool to get you unstuck in a new way that's not life coaching, it's not therapy, it's not the self-help book, but it's you talking to yourself and it being reflected back to you in a way that just helps people. And it's it's so fun and amazing to do. Who do you think is the target market for that? So I've done a lot of thinking about this. What I have come to as a conclusion is it really helps people who are in some sort of a transition. Either an event has happened to them, divorce, illness, lost a job, or an event is going to happen to them. They want to move. They want to do something. They, they're thinking about some big change they want to make. Because those are the moments, and I think this happens for a lot of people, where you need to do the introspection and you need to do that season of going inside and thinking so that you can come out and then move through whatever the next chapter or chapters of your life is. But it's kind of those inflection moments where something's changed or something is going to change. And it, it can be all, all sorts of different things. But that's been kind of the common denominator yeah. for people who get really a lot of value from this product. And how much does it cost? So the full experience with the written story and the artwork is um, about $375. Seems cheap. Well, thank you. <laughs> I mean, it's like therapies, a couple hundred yeah. bucks, at least um, for one session. So that's where we're starting with that one. I'm also developing some other products that will be, um, I'm actually doing one right now that's a free product for, I'm calling it three weeks for the best self-assessment ever. Because that was always one of the things I hated about corporate processes was you get to the end of the year and then you have to do all this performance management. So I'm doing a quick little um, question and answer for people where for three weeks, I'm sending them one question. They'll just do the notes on their own. At the end, I'll give them a framework for how to plan 2023 so that it's amazing. Uh, but throughout the year, I'll be running those types of kind of mini tastes of the experience for people. Okay. So anyone who thinks, hey, that sounds fun. I would like to do that. Uh, can hop on my list at my website livedandloved.co. And if um, if and when I do another one of those, I'll probably do one in Q1. Uh, I'll get people enrolled and they can just kind of get that sense of, oh, wait, this isn't so bad. There are 40 things I have to do. <laughs> yeah, because this podcast will drop January 4th. So it'll be Perfect. where people are thinking about new self-discovery. Okay, so let's, your other business is chief of staff. What 
do you offer to business people that, because a lot of people need help with things. So what are your unique talents? Because I'm already super attracted to you. And I'm like, huh, I wonder if she could help me with this. (laughs) Yes. So let me first answer the question. What does the chief of staff do? Because I get that one a lot. Um, It's one of those roles that, you know, you hear about because there's one in the White House or there's one in the military. And you're like, wait, what is that person actually doing? Right. Um, So to dispel a common myth, I do not follow leaders around to meetings and take notes for them. That would be an incredible waste of resources. (laughs) Uh, But jokes aside, a chief of staff is a general business athlete. So this is someone who can do a little bit of business strategy, a little bit of comms a little bit of execution, a little bit of making your leadership team work well together, usually with a very big dose of EQ. So these are people who can get people to work together. Uh, And the way I think about the role is this. Each leader, whether it's a CEO or a leader of some other organization, has vertical business units that are doing whatever their business does. And they probably have support functions, HR, tech, uh, finance. So they have these groups of people that need to work together in their organization. Plus technology systems, plus external stakeholders, plus all these people who care about their thing. And the CEO or leader is the only one in this entire circle that is in charge of making the system work together. So each other leader has their own thing that they focus on and make it efficient. But the only one looking at the big picture is the CEO. And chances are the CEO is amazing at a few things, building their software, solving customer problems, being a leader, whatever their thing is. It is usually not how to make this ecosystem of people, processes, systems, humans work together effectively. Right. So if they don't do it, if they don't know how to do it, it becomes this kind of clunky organization where things slow down and people get mad and they leave because they're not happy. And it's just frustrating for everyone involved. And it takes a ton of time because now they're fielding complaints from their leadership team. They're having to go sit in all these meetings. It's just messy. So a chief of staff is an expert in how do you make this ecosystem work well, move towards common goals, and have the humans who are a part of the system know what's going on when they need to be able to do their great work and learn along the way. And if you can fix all of that, it feels amazing. People is are running there, after stuff. It's great. Yeah. Is there a amount of employees or dollar amount of size of business that's your sweet spot? So I would say I wouldn't recommend a chief of staff probably for a business with fewer than 50 people. I think the practices that get you to that point are probably still working for you. Um, Once you start to get up into 100 people, I think that's where you would consider like a fractional engagement If you're getting into several hundreds of people, that's where you might want someone 
a bit more on a full-time basis. It's really, in, in my book, it's really about the complexity. So if if you think about an organization where you know things don't intersect and people are just able to go off and do their own thing and it works, you might not need a chief of staff. Right. If you have a business where the market is changing and your business model is changing, or maybe you're acquiring a business or you've been acquired or any of these, going back to the language I used before, transition points, you kind of need to reboot the system and say, what do we keep? What do we let go of? What do we need to build from scratch now that we're, you know, at the next level of revenue, at the next level of people trying to get bought out? Uh, Going back to your question, uh, I do really well with corporate teams Uh because most of my, my experience was from the corporate world. So I bring that perspective of, how do you get things done in an organization that might have a lot of process already or a lot of people who are trying to collaborate and participate on one thing? It sounds uh, kind of amazing because you get to like take all the skill sets that you've learned and yet you don't have to be in the minutia of the personalities as it were. Now, I know you'll obviously you'll do the EQ to figure out who you're working with and how to get them motivated and lead and inspired and all those things. But you know, what bogs people down a lot is the personalities, right? It's mm-hmm. it's not having a clear vision or not having a clear path. Yeah, I I think people want to be moving towards ambitious goals and learning and growing and doing work they feel good about. And if those elements are missing, that's where some of the negative personality traits might start to show up or you hear the grumbling or the, yeah. you know, infighting. But if you can move past that, and especially if you can bring in some of the elements I was talking about earlier, where you get people to act like human beings at work, and you give them the direction and the ability to go after it, almost all of that other stuff just kind of, the volume gets turned down. It's not such a thing when you're all marching in the same direction towards a goal and everybody feels excited about it. I think we're working towards two cultures, right? So what is the culture of work now? It's probably more so in any time since, you know, we went from an agricultural society to a, a manufacturing and a technological society under pressure right now, people trying to figure out what this is. So I feel like you were the perfect person to start the year with. I knew this was going to be good. How do you want people to find you if they're interested in engaging your chief of staff services? Yes. If anybody needs a chief of staff, and these are engagements that are very much custom. So we would do a consultation call um, and talk about what it is that you need. Um, You can find me on my website, which is katherinemontbryand.com. And I have a bunch of information there about the framework I use and how I think about the role because... I've been trying to do a lot of educating on it that it, like I said, it is fairly new and not everybody knows what what it is or what it does. Um, but visit me there, drop me a note. Um, I would certainly love to, to connect with anyone who needs that kind of help and wants to get their organization op- operating like a really well-oiled machine for the new year. Yeah. And if you're interested in the storytelling, 
It's say it again. I know I'm going to say it wrong. Lived and loved. <laughs> Lived and loved.co. I got it right. Lived and loved.co. All right. It's really been a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for helping us kick off the year for Makers of Minnesota season five. Thank you so much. It was truly, truly my pleasure. Thanks. We'll talk soon. All right. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye.